This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. This is the legend of the Pacific Ocean Predator of 1980. It was early summer of 1980 when best friends and professional divers Bill and John had just graduated college and were headed out to California. Bill and John grew up with each other on the East Coast and they started diving with each other at a young age. And this trend continued until after high school when they both chose different colleges in different parts of the country. So after a four year hiatus due to college, they were reunited and they decided instead of going into the careers, they'd take one last summer of leisure. So that summer, they decided to go to Santa Barbara, California, as they had heard that it had some of the best diving destinations in the world. Namely, due to the fact that the coastline is laden with shipwrecks, dating back all the way to the 1800s. So they packed up all their things and headed out west, not knowing what they were going to do for work, only having the place they were going to stay lined up. But as excited and eager as they were on the way out there, a couple of weeks after arriving, their morale had taken a hard hit. They found out that they were about a month too late. All of the diving jobs had already been taken up and were booked for the summer. So in order to make ends meet while they looked for diving gigs, they both took jobs at a local bar right near where they lived. They were at that bar virtually every single night. Even on their off nights, they found themselves there, drinking their blues away. It wasn't until about a month after their arrival that they finally caught a break. It was on a particular off night. A gentleman they hadn't seen at the bar before walked in. He was an older gentleman, probably in his 50s. He sat down, called the bartender over, and ordered a drink. At first, John and Bill didn't pay much attention to him. It wasn't until he started talking to the bartender about his yacht off the coast that their ears perked up. They continued somewhat eavesdropping on the gentleman's conversation for about a half hour when they finally heard exactly what they wanted to hear. He was looking for divers who would come hang out on his yacht for a couple of weeks and dive for lobster, stocking him up for the summer. And that was their cue. They got up from their table, approached the man, bought him a couple drinks, and explained their situation. It couldn't have played out for them more perfectly. They finished their drinks, he gave them a time to meet him at the docks the next night, and they went their separate ways. Bill and John were elated. That very next night, they met the old man at the docks, they got in his speedboat, and they headed out to his yacht. As they approached, they could see it was live. There were women everywhere, and people were partying. The old man looks at him and says, I hope you boys are ready to party. Bill and John just look at each other and smile. They partied all night, knowing the next morning they had to dive. When their alarm goes off the next morning, they slowly roll out of bed, hung over as hell. Shake it off, Bill says to John. We got to get ready to dive. With those words, they both got a little enthusiasm, made their way up to the top deck, and put on their gear. They hopped in the water and began making their descent towards the bottom. They were making their way towards a nearby Liberty shipwreck to check it out and grab lobsters because they knew they'd be around the ship. Everything was going smoothly and their hangover was slowly starting to wear off and they were at about 60 feet. They continued descending when suddenly an eerie feeling overtook them and that's when they heard it. A loud roar from something in the distance. They stopped and just looked at each other. They could tell they both were contemplating going back to the ship, but they kind of just pointed at it and wrote it off as that was the source of the noise. They finally found their first gig diving and they weren't going to screw it up, so they slowly continued to make their descent. 
They got to the bottom and began searching for lobster and kind of forgot about the noise they had heard previously. And as they were looking on the ocean floor, they noticed that a large shadow passed over them very quickly. And that's when something strange happened. All of a sudden, the water around them got very, very warm. They kind of looked at each other in bewilderment, but continued on as if nothing was happening. When suddenly, out of the blue, a massive creature snatches John and takes him into the abyss. It all happened so fast, Bill didn't even get a look at what it was. All he saw was blood. Bill looked at the cloud of blood in complete shock, frozen with fear. He didn't know what to do. He continued looking for his friend for a few more seconds, but he was nowhere to be found. And that's when he decided his best choice was to make the ascent back to the ship. He swam with all his might, just waiting for his number to be called next. He gets to the boat, hops on, and tells the old man, We gotta go, we gotta go now. The old man asks, Where's John? He's gone, he's gone. As much as he hated leaving his best friend behind, he knew there was no chance he survived. On the way back to the docks, they radioed authorities and told them exactly where John went missing. They came out and did a search. They never found John, but they did find some of his scuba gear. His tank had a large scratch in it. Along with his gear, they found something that was very peculiar. They located a massive talon on the ocean floor near where the attack took place. It measured 9 inches in length, and it was like nothing they had ever seen before. It looked as though it came off a creature that was of prehistoric origin. There was virtually no animal in the ocean that had this type of talon. So at the time of the incident, when the old man radioed in that John was missing, apparently a reporter was on the same channel. It was the emergency channel for the Coast Guard. After hearing it, he thought it would be a juicy story, so he headed down to the docks. And that's when he saw all of John's equipment and the talon, and he quickly began taking numerous pictures. The Coast Guard had laid everything out on the deck, and one of them happened to be standing nearby. The reporter asked him a few questions, and that's when he heard the local police pull up. So he figured he better get out of there before they confiscate his camera. He assumed that that night they would report it on the air at around 11 p.m. He took the camera and processed all the photos in the dark room at the news station. He had his entire story planned out. It was about 20 minutes before they were going to go on air when somebody arrived. He was dressed in all black and looked like a government official. He told them they better not air this story. They questioned it at first, but eventually gave in. They could just tell this guy was definitely somebody who didn't want to cross. After he left, the reporter ran back to the darkroom to look for the negatives. They were all gone. Bill didn't sleep for weeks. He was completely upset, especially the fact that they didn't air the story. So one day, when he was really angry about everything, he contacted a newspaper that was more likely to share his story. He met the reporter at a park and divulged everything. And the next day, they did post it in their newspaper. This gave Bill slight peace of mind until later that night when his phone rang. He heard a man's voice on the other end. And they told him he better shut up about the story or he's not going to like the consequences. He was so angry, at first he resisted. But then the man started reciting his parents' names and their address on the East Coast. He suddenly fell silent. And that's when the man told him he better get the hell out of town if he knows what's good for him. He spent the next couple days packing up their apartment and he took off, never to be seen in the area again. Apparently, a couple nearby neighbors had said that he had a new vehicle when he left. And it was a vehicle 
that they knew he couldn't afford. And nothing pertaining to his and John's story ever resurfaced after that. Everything was quiet for the next couple weeks until one day that changed quickly. About a year prior, a modernized oil rig was set up in the Pacific Ocean. It had all the newest tech and it is said that it could drill deeper than any oil rig in the world at the time. So a couple weeks after Bill's incident, a tugboat was making its way back to shore from the oil rig. When they radioed in a distress call. So one day, a tugboat that was used to haul large equipment to the oil rig was making its way back to shore. There was the captain and three employees on board when suddenly something massive hit the tugboat. Whatever it was hit it so hard, it actually knocked them off their feet. The captain quickly got up and radioed back to the oil rig while increasing speed. Tugboat back to headquarters, tugboat back to headquarters. Yeah, go ahead tugboat. This is the captain speaking. Something massive just hit our boat. We're not sure what it is. And just as he was finishing his sentence, boom, it hit him again. Headquarters, we're gonna need a handout here. Could you send something out as soon as possible? Then, boom, a third time, and the tugboat started taking on water. We're taking on water, we're taking on water. Send someone quick, help. The last calls from the tugboat were absolutely terrifying. And when they got to their location, there was nothing but a few items floating, not one man above water. So whatever it was, it was huge and merciless, and it took everybody on the boat that day. After this incident, the military got involved. Upon their investigation, they interviewed a couple of workers from the oil rig, and what they found out was absolutely insane. About a month or so prior, they were drilling, and they were thousands of feet below the bottom of the ocean. When one day, they broke into a miles-long cavern that had some sort of special mineral in it. They described it as a subterranean cave system that probably went on further than they could even imagine. But what's odd is that they reported that the night after they broke into the cavern, they kept hearing odd sounds coming from the water around the oil rig. They described it as some type of high-pitched shriek or a loud roar. They said that it stopped by the next morning and they never heard it again or had any type of incident until the tugboat. After hearing this, the military concluded that they must have let out some sort of prehistoric creature that was living down there for probably thousands of years. Once they had gathered all the information, the military officials concluded that the creature had to be almost a hundred feet long. And it was at this moment that they didn't even contemplate trying to capture the beast. They knew exactly what they were going to do. They contacted a top secret division of the Navy at the time. This division actually trained dolphins to take commands and attack enemies underwater. They would assign up to 10 to a group and they'd run like a wolf pack, attacking their target all at once. Why they were lethal? They would fix weapons to their nose that they would ram with. So they trained the crew of dolphins that they were going to use to take out the monster. And about three days later, it was time to send them on their mission. They couldn't let this beast roam the waters any longer. They fixed each dolphin's nose with a weapon that came to a point. So when they'd hit the beast, it would pierce him and then release. And fixed to each weapon was an explosive that would trigger as soon as it was released from the dolphin's nose. After release, it would give the dolphins a few moments to get some distance and then they would explode. The Navy SEAL called one dolphin in particular to his boat. He did some sign language while speaking the commands and the dolphin nodded, then took off. Each pack had one lead dolphin and they would tell the lead dolphin what they wanted done. He would go back 
and communicate to the rest of the team the mission. They watched on the radar as the dolphins moved through the water swiftly in unison. Though it was the 1980s and they couldn't fix them with a camera, they could fix them with a tracking beacon. It took a couple hours, but the dolphins finally located the creature. The beast was fast, but not fast enough. The dolphins outmaneuvered him, and 8 out of 10 of them pierced him with their weapons. So 8 of the 10 explosives were triggered, and the dolphins scattered. The beast didn't know which way to go. He continued on for a few moments, not realizing what was about to take place. When suddenly, boom, 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 the water turned bright red, and chunks of the beast began to float to the top. Back at the boat, the seals saw exactly what they wanted to see. They watched as the beacon surrounded the target and attacked at once. A couple hours later, you could see the dolphins off in the distance. The leader popped his head out next to the boat. The Navy SEAL communicated with him in sign language and asked him if they got the mission done. And the dolphin shook his head yes. They went on to gather as much evidence as they could from the remains of the creature for testing, never releasing the results to the public. From that day forward, the Pacific Ocean Predator of 1980 was never spoke of again. Hope you all enjoyed this story. Obviously, it's for entertainment purposes only. I'm not sure, you know, it's hard to say whether or not something like this could be true. Never know. Either way, stay tuned in for some more crazy content from me. I am out.